So a number of years ago, there was a happy Tipperary farmer. And this Tipperary farmer had a bit of land and a Massey 135, and all was well. And he would happily farm there day and night. Uh, the problem was, the only issue he had there was that he had ingrowing toenails. So the ingrowing toenails were causing a mighty bit of discomfort. Uh, so he decided, look, I'm going to get this scene too, because <clears throat> in my wellies walking around the place, it's just kind of uncomfortable when your toe feels like it's going to burst. So uh, he decided he would go to the hospital. So he went into the hospital and ended up in Limerick, in the regional in Limerick, and he had his two feet cocked in the air there and uh, got the, got the, uh, he didn't get the toes removed, he got the toenail bed, whatever it is, removed, and all was well. Uh, and then this sprightly little nurse came in to take care of him and to change his dressings and to give him his food and whatever else there was. And um, I think the expression back in the day was he spied her. He spotted her and uh, <clears throat> was quite taken by this particular lady. So uh, this is before the days of Facebook and email and all of that. So there was no kind of quick way of just exchanging numbers and keeping in contact. So he eventually left the hospital. She went on, did her nursing, and uh, all was good. But a couple of months later, uh, said farmer uh, from, from Tipperary decided he'd go to a dance hall with a friend of his. So he did, and off they went to the dance hall back in the day, the glory days of dance halls with men on one side and the women on the other and the parish priest in the middle, uh, just to make sure everyone has having a good time. And uh, who did he spot on the far side of the dance hall but herself? <clears throat> so he goes over, and he says to her, would you like a dance? And she says, oh, I will. So they danced the night away, and then he bought her a club orange and a club milk. And that was the deal, sealed really, uh, then at that point. Uh, she was smitten and won over, and uh, a couple of months later, very few months later, he asked for her hand in marriage. She duly said yes, <clears throat> and they were married, and I was born two years after that. So that's how my folks met. And it's, I thank God for ingrowing toenails, because if they didn't exist, neither would I. So uh, they are, they're a gift. They are a gift. They are a great gift. Uh, but what I find interesting is, uh, like God's divine plan, and a plan of such great importance, hinges on us, right? Like so much. Like marriage is such a sacred thing, but there is so much more to it than meets the eye. That's the theme of the homily, in case we get lost. Okay, that marriage, marriage is a wonderful thing, but that there's so much more to it than meets the eye. It's not just the way of marking a kind of a long-term relationship. It's not just a way of having kind of a little more kind of predictability in your life, just to have someone who hopefully won't leave you. Or <clears throat> that's not what it's for. It's so much more. Like marriage in God's sight, right, is the participation and the sharing in God's creative power. Like that's just, it's mind, you bring people into the world and those people, some of them anyway, will bring other people into the world and some others will have an effect on all sorts of people's lives. Like if you're a teacher, if you're a politician, if you make uh, 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 practically anything we do affects other people. So we, we all affect each other and all those people came from a couple and those people 
that couple came from a couple. Every, like we're, we're all, we're all this is just, it's so amazing that God trusts us with this gift of bringing people into the world. <clears throat> Such a gift. That's the, one of the two uh, functions, if you will, of, of marriage. It, it's twofold. The more modern, more youthful uh, expression is babies and bonding. Babies, procreation, and bonding, the, the unity of the couple. <clears throat> That's what the, the marital act is, is oriented towards. Now, what's so important then is when we look at like, the essence of love and how love works, if love isn't free, well, then it's not love. Okay? If love is in any way forced, <clears throat> then it's not an act of love. It's, it's violence. It's, 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 it's not love. So it has to be free. And this is like this risk that God takes in doing everything he does for us, so creating the world and all that exists. We mess it up through sin. He redeems it on the cross. And then in all of this, our response is left up to us. You know, our response to God, my reaction to what God does, that bit is left up to me. What we receive is an invitation, not uh, love me or you'll end up in hell. That's not how it works. But what we receive is an invitation to love. And, and then it's up to me to, to respond. He trusts me enough to answer. Because why? I have to answer freely. <clears throat> if I'm in any way forced to love God, then it's not love. The risk, of course, with allowing people to decide whether they will or won't love God is that some will decide they don't. That's, that's the risk. But the only way of reducing that risk is by reducing people's freedom, which you can't do, which God won't do. God won't force us to love. So this is this, this um, tension or this, this, the, the, the problem of freedom. If people have freedom, they might abuse it. But if people don't have freedom, they can't love. So this is it. Like, this, is, this, this is just this huge problem that we see around us. If we have freedom, we can abuse it. We can use our freedom to hurt people. So if God fixes the problem by taking away our freedom, then nobody can actually love. And if God is love and we're supposed to become like him, we cannot become like him unless we're free. Because if I'm not free, I can't love. So if I'm not free, I can't become like God. So you, you see the problem. It's, it's a problem. It, well, it's, it is and it isn't a problem. The solution is, is the, the best solution that, that, that God, in his divine intellect, <clears throat> his divine knowledge, the best solution is the one that he has chosen, obviously, which is to leave us free. And to, to remind us of his will and his plan through uh, the Old Testament, you have the, 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 your, your, your prophets, uh, then the New Testament, Jesus himself and the apostles in, today, in today's world, now the teachings of the church and scripture. <clears throat> this is where we, we, we know if we're on the right track. But it's still up to people to, to respond freely. And this is, this is like this, this, this amazing then gift of marriage, to go back to uh, our topic for today. Uh, marriage then <clears throat> must be free. It must be free. And it must be total. In the sense that if we recognize these things immediately, as soon as you, put, as soon as you, you, you give an example, it's plain obvious what the answer is. Uh, if you say to someone like, so I want to marry you, and I want to give you, well, not, not everything I have, 
and not everything I am, but like a lot of it. A lot of it. You know, I'll give you some of my time, and I'll give you a large portion of my heart. You know, as soon as you, as soon as you hear it, it's like, that's, that's not what they say in the love songs, really, is it? No, that's... Somehow, if it's not total, you recognize there's something wrong. Right? Or, like, if it's not forever. Another characteristic of, of love. If it's not forever. If someone says, look, I, Jeannie, I just, I'm really taken by you. I, I, I think I love you. Do you want to get married for five years? You know, six, 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 six years? Six, it's a long time. It's a long time. You know, and then, actually, and then if things go well, then after six years, we can kind of, you know, start another contract for another six years. We'll, we'll see. What do you think? <laughs> I just, just want to get a smack. Like, because if it's not forever, it's just not love. You know, and even like it, during the marriage ceremony, you know, I, John, take you, Mary, for better, for worse, rich or poor, sickness and health, all the days of my life until death. And a betting man would probably say, well, can we not change that last bit? I, John, take you, Mary, for better, for worse, rich or poor, sickness and health, for 10 years. How about that? Like, you know, like you can imagine she'd be there in her dress going, what? What are you saying? Do you not love me? And it's, 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 that's the question. Do you love her or don't you? Because instinctively we know the essence of love is forever. <clears throat> it's free. It's total. It's forever. You know, these are just kind of, again, common sense uh, attributes of, of, of love, if it is love. So then that's why this, this reading here, it's a difficult one, you know, to, the, the gospel about, about divorce. This is the problem. This is the, like the, the key issue that at the heart of this gospel, you see, is if I say I love you, I must mean it forever. So like, if I say I love you, I, I cannot say it and have a safety net, a back door, a way out just in case. Because as soon as you believe there's a, there's a back door or a way out, then yeah, grand, if she wants me to say I love her forever, I suppose if that's what I'm supposed to say, I suppose I'll say it. But at the end of the day, like if things don't work out, there's always, there's always, I can just kind of skedaddle, you know? But like, do you love her? Because if, if, if that's your mentality going into marriage, <clears throat> are you going to hold on during the inevitable difficult days? Because it will get tough. There will be moments when you don't understand each other. There will be moments when, when there will be financial pressure. There will be moments of maybe, you know, the, all that kind of hidden grief <clears throat> due to miscarriage when no one else knows that she was even pregnant because they didn't tell anybody. But then, you know, your wife now just needs an awful lot of help and consolation and tenderness. And, and you're the husband, so get on with it. Like, give her what she needs. Take care of her, you know, and put your own hobbies and pastimes to one side because there's something of greater importance here. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health until ye die. That's it. And when marriage is lived like that, it's another world altogether. When both live marriage in this way, where, you know, I, I want to serve you. I want to show that I love you. I want to show that I will be faithful to you forever. You know, and like, there, there's a very good American speaker speaks about uh, masculinity and fatherhood. <clears throat> His name is Devin Shad, uh, and he says that the father is called to set the pace of self-giving love 
in the family, to set the pace of self-giving love. So he kind of starts this, this sacrificing himself for love of his wife and his children. And then, like, the, the wife does the same, then she's sacrificing herself for love of her husband and her children. And then the, the, the kids see mom and dad kind of trying to outdo each other almost in, in, in love and service, and then it becomes kind of natural for them to do the same. And so then each family becomes this, this nucleus of, of selfless, self-giving love, which is what it's supposed to be, because the family is supposed to represent the Trinity here on earth. And the Trinity is God, who is love. You get it? So you see how all these things, how marriage is so much bigger than we could ever imagine. It's so much more important. It's not just a long-term relationship. You represent, and as such make present in some way, uh, the inner life of the Trinity. This selfless, self-giving love, which must be free. <clears throat> it must be total. It must be forever. And then... Uh, one step further, which we won't go much into, but it must, <clears throat> for us as Catholics, in God's mind, we believe that it must be open to life. It must be open to life. Now, depending on what age the couple may get married, it may not be um, medically possible, but it's open to life because it should be this, like, this environment of love in which a new life can be welcomed. Again, it's, it's representing and, and making present how the Trinity live and work, what they do. So this is, this is our, our, our gospel today. This is the fulfillment <clears throat> of the exclamation that we hear from Adam when he sees woman for the first time. Now, he had had cows. Cows are very, very good. He had had probably dogs and all sorts of wonderful animals, okay? But when he sees woman, this is very, very different, Right? I like my cow. I like her more. <laughs> At last, this is flesh from my flesh and bone from my bones. She is to be called woman because, whoa, man. That's, that's, that's where it came from. Okay, so that is why a man leaves father and mother and joins himself to his wife and they become one. They become one. Marriage is so much greater than we could ever imagine or understand. So we ask the Lord today to renew, if for those who are watching who are married, for those who are aspiring to marriage, to renew our understanding of marriage as, as this beautiful gift, uh, a loving relationship, which is free, which is total, and which is forever. Amen.